Dropbit Gaming. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Drop Bear Gaming Podcast. Woo! Yay, that is our normal introduction. We're thinking about changing it up. <laughs> well, it's a new decade, so yes. we should um, we should change something at least. Maybe hosts. Maybe our jocks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years. That's yeah, pretty crusty. We'll still, still get a few years out of them. What am I talking about? Gross. Um, <laughs> This is episode 154, it is the first one of 2020, and... The bloody roaring 20s. That's it, I remember them well. (laughs) (laughs) All them stores closing down and shit. Yeah. Ah, good times. The good old depression. (laughs) The good old... And now with with social media and the, you know, smartphones everywhere, everyone's constantly connected, every day is depression. Well, that's right, yes. (laughs) Or anxiety. Yeah. The great anxiety of 2020s. (laughs) Well, anyway, this is is basically going to be our recap part one episode of uh, the last decade. Yeah, and before you fucking start getting in touch, (laughs) we know that technically the decade starts in 2021, okay? But technically the last decade is finished. So we're doing a recap of the last decade. We're not doing anything to do with the new decade. Well, our decade started... The decade of this fucking podcast that we're talking about started in 2010, okay? So that's the decade we're talking about. If you don't like it, listen anyway. Yeah, just give it a listen and and see what you think. Yeah, Yeah. and then let us know. Yeah, you can can text us or email us or whatever you want to do. So anyway, yeah, so this is... We're going to recap some of the high points and low points of the last 10 years... And we've decided to split this into two episodes because fuck a decade's a long f- fucking time. Yeah, but there's nothing else happening, really. Yeah, it's like, a bit slow start to the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Unless you like news about games being delayed. Yeah, which no one does. Yeah, yeah. so Final Fantasy VII Remake was delayed. Cyberpunk 2077's delayed. Uh, well, we already knew Watch Dogs Legion was delayed, mm-hmm. among other things. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we're we're not going to talk about that depressing stuff. Yeah. We're going to go back to, uh, you know, in the way back. The bright machine. old days of 2010. <laughs> ah, how I remember it well. <laughs> there was a couple of good things. In the way back machine. Um, but basically, you know, we will kick off it in 2010. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of. I guess when we decided to plant the seeds as well of the Drop Bear Gaming podcast, so yeah, it's, you know, it, it's been a really relevant ten years for us. Yeah, well, we've been paying more attention than we would have yes. normally to the video game industry. It was about midway. I feel like it was about midway through 2010. We'd been listening to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I was doing podcasts in America. Yeah, you know, or hosting. You know, yeah, and we were like, I was like, well, if he can do it. Yeah. I mean, anyone could do it. Fuck anyone's man and his dog could do it, really. Exactly. So then we just decided to start this fucking thing. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Next year, when we've been doing it for 10 years. Yeah, that's right. And then we'll do this again. Yeah. Let's recap the decade of drop air gaming. (laughs) It's easy, because there hasn't been that much happening. That's right, yeah. And as I said, this is only episode 154. Yeah. Um, But I did put out a post on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was... Towards the end, maybe around Christmas time, towards the end of December, asking in the community if anybody knew 
any other Australian podcasts that have been going as long as Drop Bear Gaming. Mm-hmm. And really, we only got one response from one that's been around for about 18 months more than us. Yeah. They've done a hell of a lot more episodes. Yeah, um, like about 400 more episodes yeah, than us. Yeah, but... Yeah, we're kind of, at this point, from what we know, the second oldest Australian computer gaming podcast. Yeah, we're pretty... We're old hats. We're ancient, yes. Yeah. So, you know, send us messages about how we need to quit and we're too old for this shit. And money. Send us money, too. Well, that too, yeah. That'll be good. (laughs) Ideally. Yeah. If you want to see us continuing with this, like, farce, then uh, send us some cash. <laughs> and if you don't, pay us to stop. Yeah, that's right. And we, we might listen. Depends if we raise enough. Yeah. So, um, anyway. So, 2010. Um, it was a wonderful time. One of the big things that's it's still around and still going strong mm-hmm. um, is Humble Bundle. The Humble Indie Bundle uh, was started in 2010 around you know beginning of may yeah um and it should have been a star wars one from what i think because it was may the 4th yeah you'd think so but i don't know yeah (laughs) the humble bundle i kind of like even though i don't play any like they occasionally do uh console ones mostly in america yeah it's not really for the australian market yeah but generally it's steam games yeah and um they tend to be a really good way to get indie developers out like a lot of mainstream sort of or almost mainstream um, sort of PR you know yeah. there's there's developers who you wouldn't normally hear about who have absolutely got their games out in the hands of people thanks to Humble Bundle and then as well as that, there's been times over the years where there's just been some standout ones where larger publishers as well have just thrown down everything for like 10 bucks. And the good thing about it is that it has that thing where you can scale how much you want to go of your money to go to the... To, it's like pay what you want yeah. for a start and then you can change how much you want to go to Humble Bundle, how much you want to go to the developers, how much you want to go to a charity. Mm, which was great. Yeah, and and you're right. There's been some really good bundles over the time. Yeah. Like THQ, EA had some big ones. Mm. Uh, Ubisoft have done it as well. So it's it's certainly not just indies, but it yeah. is more so a continuing you know thing every yeah. fortnight or every month where yeah. they'll do you know indie games. Mm. Um, and they've now they've got like a shop front and everything on there. Yeah. So they don't just do the bundle. They also allow you to go in there and buy games. And they've even. Well, they got purchased by IGN uh, back in 2017. Yeah. So they were going for six, seven years before yeah, they got bought just out. Just kicking it. Um, and then uh, I think it was either just before that or maybe just after IGN took them over, um, they produced Cuphead's, the game. Mm. So they became their own developer as well, That's which pretty was impressive. pretty cool. Yeah. So the power of, uh, you know, potentially gaming and charity together yeah well I mean they've raised over 161 million for charity over 10 years yeah just in and that's like you know saying oh do you want to give to charity or developers and like kudos to the developers as well because Mm. they're the ones putting their games on this platform to allow them to effectively not get paid anything yeah you know yeah and to be honest, in a lot of cases, I, I normally will go like the 70-15-15 rule, where I yeah. give 70 to charity, 15 to you know, them, and 15 to the developers. Mm. Um, 
and I have bought a lot of them over time. Yeah, um, well, you use play, you play a lot more I PC, play on PC games, than yeah. I do. yeah. And it's it surprises me now. I've got three hundred and thirty odd games in my Steam account. Yeah, and most of them, to be honest, have come from humble bundles over time. Yeah. Um, I think also, I bought a civilization like Sid Meier's Civilization bundle on there. Yeah, like I was looking at my Steam list the other day because I never play PC games, mm-hmm. and I surprisingly have like sixty games in yeah, there, yeah. mostly from Steam sales or humble bundles yeah. where I've just been like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, go on Steam. One. Oh, Steam sales are on. Well, hide your wallet. <laughs> go on there, and I'm like, oh wow, great deals. Never played them. Yeah, so that's pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, but I've got like I looked and I have. I think I must have got a GTA one as well. Because I've got every GTA game yeah. on there, except for GTA Five, mm-hmm. and I've got every Civilization game as well. Yeah, from yeah, good humble games. bundles, and you yeah. probably paid less than twenty five yeah. bucks per exactly. bundle. Yeah, and now they, luckily, now they do a lot of things like uh, books and software and you know comic, the whole lot. Like they yeah. they do, I think up to eight or nine bundles that rotate every fortnight or month. Mm. And now, at at the moment, they've got a really, really good one going. Yeah, so they've um, announced this Australian fire relief one for, obviously, you know, Australia's been having a pretty rough summer mm. with the bushfires. And so they've done this thing where you pay 25 bucks and you get up to, what is it, $424 worth of games. Yeah. And all of the games are related to Australia in some way, mostly is because they've been developed here. Some of them are from overseas. I know Machinarium mm-hmm. is from like Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic or whatever Brilliant it's called. Brilliant game too. But, um, really yeah. love that game. And so they're all Steam games and they're all, 100% of the money goes to the bushfire relief to um, the RSPCA, Wires, and I think there's one other place that it's going to. But yeah, so they're using their sort of clout as this huge thing that they've built over the last 10 years to raise money for Australia, which obviously is important to us as Australians. That's right. So, yeah, it's pretty impressive. That goes for another, like, four and a half days. So, hopefully, today's Sunday, the 19th. So, hopefully, this podcast is up in time for you guys to take advantage of that if you haven't seen it. Yeah, if you haven't yet, you should, because it is really good, and there's some really, really good... Good games on there that are very, very worth playing. Mm. And worst comes to worst, you can always just get half of those games are on Switch as well, and some of them are really good for Switch. Yeah. So just donate to the Bushfire Relief separately and then buy the games on Switch to support Aussie devs. That's it. Anyway, so that's enough about Humble Bundle. The next thing um, that happened, which didn't really affect us here in Australia, or the next thing on my list here, is the launch of OnLive. Now, there's some podcasts from early on in our like podcasting careers (laughs) where we talked about OnLive so OnLive was basically the first commercially available cloud gaming service and this one stands out to me because there's a bit of history there and Mm. we'll go more into this on the next episode when we talk more about cloud gaming as we get closer to the end of the decade in our sort of recap but OnLive was the first commercially available cloud gaming service and it was in the UK and America yeah. and it was like a cloud gaming where you could fucking have games on a server somewhere and play them wherever you wanted but it was only I think it was limited to TVs and PCs yeah, TVs and PCs whereas yeah. now we're moving into phones Everything. and all that kind of stuff but yeah. in terms of historical importance like 
it's pretty up there. But yeah. we'll, we'll talk more about that in the next episode when we discuss cloud gaming. Unfortunately, as you said, it, it never made an impact here, which was a real shame because yes. I remember being very, very excited for it. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the idea is great. That's yeah. why it's getting so much traction now that the technology is better. That's right. So, yeah, yeah they um, on live launched in 2010 and then ended up dying in 2014, 2015. Yeah. But um, it, its role in the industry and in the tech of cloud gaming is probably still continuing its importance. Yeah. Because Sony ended up buying on live Mm -hmm. and just to get the patents for its technology, which has then led to PlayStation Now and probably remote play on the Vita and on phones and stuff like that. Like all of that kind of stuff. Mm. I mean, it all dates back to on live kicking it off on a commercial level. Mm. so that's important the other two things that are kind of key I mean there's plenty of stuff that happened in 2010 but the other two key things that I've got written here are the most memorable things and important things to ever happen the launch of PlayStation Move and Microsoft Connect yes (laughs) (laughs) so the Connect um, kept going it was great everyone loved it until the Xbox One released with it at launch yeah because they were like this is still a key part of what we're doing here and then and then they were like we've totally fucking cooked this <laughs> exactly <laughs> get rid of the connect <laughs> let's try to reconnect with our consumers that's right yeah. um, and so the PlayStation Move obviously had a second life of its own with the PSVR yeah yeah so you know there was Which some games still going but yeah you know, even trying to find um yeah, you know, the the controllers and things nowadays is a lot harder than it used to be. Yeah, I mean you can yeah. buy them for the VR, yeah. but they're they they they're still the exact same ones from a decade ago. Yeah. But they charge like through the ass for them, mm-hmm. so they've just dusted them off and re-released them. Um, <laughs> there and to be fair, there were some good games for the Move and the Connect, mm. and you know they were a follow up to the Wii's success in the last decade before this one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was a there was a thing that released right before the end of the PS3 called Wonder Book that That's right. has like drifted into nothingness. And it was they showed it I remember they showed it at E three and the idea was that you could use it. It was a book, you know, AR, augmented reality has mm-hmm. the um you know, they have those funky symbols and when you look through the glasses or whatever in your AR situation or you look on the screen of the camera viewing you those symbols because you can do AR with the DS and the Vita you could do it and on your phone as well Mm -hmm. where a little figurine pops up on your screen that you can't actually see in the real world augmented reality right and the idea of the Wonder Book was that you could install software for a game and it would use the Wonder Book the Wonder Book was used as a controller sort of as a controller so that you'd open the page and the screen would pop up with, you know, whatever. And one of the games was Book of Potions. And it was basically this thing where you had to use the move controllers to pour different reagents and whatever into a, bo- a cauldron or whatever mm. to make sort of alchemical potions fucking potions and yep. shit. And you'd mm-hmm. turn the page and the scene would change and stuff. And they, it was a really great idea. Yeah. But it never went anywhere, yeah. which I think is worth mentioning because Sony loved to do that where they just go, they this do. is a, an amazing, smart idea, and we're just going to put it out there and just see if it works. Yeah. 
and not really support it. Yeah, but we did exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I've still got my Wonder Book sitting at home. Oh, yeah. So, I know they brought one out a few years after that uh, for Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, very similar. You know, it did very similar kinds of things, but yeah. um, it was Harry Potter skinned. So, yeah. So yeah. this, you know, I feel like that's kind of these things are important in the history of like augmented reality and virtual reality and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but they've kind of just drifted away and no one really I don't know anyone who got one mm. I got sent it by Sony yeah so I didn't even buy it mm-hmm. I don't know anyone I think I saw one pre-owned at a EB once and I was like fuck someone bought that yeah that's weird <laughs> so anyway so that was 2010 in terms of key moments the Connect we didn't really touch on but it it had its moments as well. Mm. And um, like, mostly for like fitness and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's where it really shined. Yeah. It did, yeah. And I remember when that came out, Ollie was very young. He's born in 2008. Yeah. And he used to have this um, this fire truck pillow that he absolutely loved. He took it everywhere. And yeah, as kids do, it was this yeah. blanky kind of thing. Um, and I remember scanning it in through the Connect. And you could you could have certain different games where you could scan items mm-hmm. into the game, um, and I scanned it into the game. And for him, at two or three at the time, um, it absolutely blew him away that his toy, his beloved thing, was now in the TV. Yeah, and he could you know use it and move it and do all the kinds of things he wanted to. Um, and yeah, it was actually kind of cool. Yeah, but. Apart from that, didn't do. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the Connect, and I wish Microsoft had stood their ground with it and, Mm. you know, supported it more and made it more part of the Xbox experience. They could have pushed it a lot more. And to be fair, they ditched it because they wanted to just maintain the status quo. Mm. You know, PlayStation Four obviously wildly outsold the Xbox One to this day, Mm. and they didn't want to miss out on that, so they sort of dialed back their, yeah, um, in innovation I guess mm-hmm. to, to be more like the standard PlayStation experience yeah. and I feel like you could do that maintain that status quo in that way while still supporting something amazing like the Kinect mm. yeah um, and things so like yeah. that actually got into pop culture as well and other forms of culture mm. like I, I was just going through some old TV shows the other day and I chucked on um, 30 Rock yeah, and there's an episode where the you know the CBS has been bought by another company, and Jack Donaghy's pitching these new ideas to the new CEO, mm. and he's like, "I give you talk to television or whatever it was," and he's yeah. like, "He's like television on," and the television turns on, and he's like, "Television change to channel blah blah blah," and it changes, yeah. and then one of the big jokes that was happening when the Xbox. You know, had this capability because of the connect yeah. was that if it was going to be said on the TV, it'd actually affect your you know, watching and things yeah. like that. Um, and it was hilarious because all of a sudden, like they flicked to something, and it was like um, uh, one of the one of the cop shows, and there's these two guys talking, and he's like. You know, something's going really crazy here. It's like the volume's gone up and all of a sudden the volume went up really loud on the TV and he's like, you know, what we should do is, you know, just to go piss this guy off is go over and delete all of his, uh, you know, recordings on his, um, you know, TiVo. And it's like deleting TiVo. And Jack Donaghy's like, oh, shit. And then the TV changes to the Kardashians. <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah. 
perfect. It was really yeah. well done. But you know, again, it came from the idea of yeah. the connect, and you know, it, it got into different facets mm. of, of life, which was kind of and cool. You look at like that was pre Chromecast and smart assistants yeah. and stuff like that. And now you know we've got the same functionality with Chromecast and Google Assistant and stuff like that. Mm. Microsoft could have been on the ground level of that shit. Yeah, with easily. the connect. Yeah, you know, facial with recognition, with all that all kind in of stuff. One. Yeah, yeah, but it is what it is. That's the price of business. Well, that's all right. And, and, and look, we are we are a huge gaming podcast, obviously, mm. um, second oldest in Australia, as I mentioned already. <laughs> um, so let's go and have a quick chat about the games that came out in 2010, and the let's. ones that actually you know we remember fondly and made an impact on us. Mm. Well, speaking of. PlayStation Move, one of the games that came out with the PlayStation Move was Sports Champions. Yep. And I remember playing a shitload of that because it had disc golf where you could like frisbee golf and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, it had sword fighting. You could have like a sword and shield battle. Mm -hmm. And that game, like there wasn't very many good games for the Move, but Sports Champions and Sports Champions 2 were like exceptionally good games. Yeah, they were. In the same vein as like Wii Sports and stuff like that were. Yeah, that's right. Where... They're the type, kind of game that you can just pick up. Anyone can pick it up and have a good time with it. Yeah. So one of my yeah. favourites from the from the PlayStation Move was um, they brought out. I don't know if the name was the same, but Time Crisis. Yeah. Um, you know the shooter from the arcade days, mm-hmm. where you had to purchase the actual. You didn't have to. Yeah, there was um, a but, separate gun. Yeah, there was like shoulder-mounted gun things, like yeah. full-on. And now and they've got a awesome. new one for the VR. They brought out a new gun yeah. for the VR. They didn't reuse the old one. Wow. Which is shitty. Yeah. But um, I got the new one. And oh, it nice. works good. Yeah, cool. Not that I play much VR. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Darksiders came out that year, which was, you know, I feel like Dark Darksiders is kind of a cult hit. Rather mm-hmm. than being such a more more like a mainstream yeah. here, but I seriously enjoyed Darksiders, and there's this thing in Darksiders where, I mean, the whole concept is fighting angels and demons, and you're one of the four horsemen, and mm-hmm. you've been tricked into starting the apocalypse, yeah. and the Earth just gets fucked by angels and demons having a war on Earth, mm-hmm. and there's something I don't know if it's in Darksiders one or two, but there's this scene where you've got to go to this like cloud city thing where you fight the angels, yep. And it's that thing where there's a cloud with like sunbeams shining through it, like the sun's behind the clouds, mm-hmm. and then you see all these angels like punching on with each other <laughs> in the fucking sunbeams. Mm. And every time I'm driving and I see clouds with sunbeams coming through, that is what I think of wow. to this day. <laughs> I just think there's probably angels punching on in that yeah. cloud. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Darksiders. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and Army of Two, the 40th day, which I think was the second Army of Two game. Yeah, it was. The Army of Two games were never Great. critically successful. Yeah. They yeah. were never, like, retail. Fun, like, they were yeah. never successful. But I played all three of them with Corey. Mm. And... Couch co-op. Like, couch it? co-op. Yeah, because yeah, it was a two-play... You had to play... So I don't know if you had to play it co-op, but I don't it was... Think you had to, but... It was designed to yeah. be played as co-op. Yeah. And, yeah... We just had a friggin' ball. And that was probably because we're mates. Yeah. Rather than the game actually being good. But But at the same time, yeah. doing it with that game, you know, in hand is fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. And um one more is Mag, yes. which was massive action game or something it stood mm-hmm. for. And it was like the first game to have two hundred and fifty six players in and a map. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I 
put a shitload of time into that game mm-hmm. and had a really good time playing. Didn't you it. and your mates play shitloads yeah, of it? Yeah, we played a fair bit of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, and it was a great game. Yeah, yeah, really it worked, work. and like as a technical achievement as well. Yeah, because that was PS3. Yeah, and you could play against 256 people on one map. Yeah, which is like still today. Stand, like I think happens. Battlefield and stuff, mainly because you can't get the numbers. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, but you know, Battlefield and stuff like that. You know, they moved into doing like 256 match. Per, like yeah. people in a match and they're like we can fit 256 and I would just think like Mag was doing that like five years ago exactly yeah. and there was never a Mag 2 which no. is disappointing I yeah. think the servers finally got shut down about three or four years ago for mm-hmm. it yeah um, but yeah, yeah it's just one dude running around like <laughs> trying to find other people yeah with his mates <laughs> um, other big games obviously Mass Effect 2 which um, is like honestly probably one of our yeah. top games of the decade yeah that it was, was a turning a, point in gaming, yeah. that one. Yeah. 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 And it was... It, incredible. Yeah, it was just massive. And Bioware, mm. like, realistically, they haven't done very much since... Yeah, not... You know, I mean, they did the Dragon Age games, yeah. and they've done... Mass Effect 3 was okay, but it was, like, not appreciated because people are bitches who complain about yeah. endings. Yeah. But, yeah, Mass Effect 2 was just a <laughs> friggin' great game at the time. Mm-hmm. Um there's a huge list here and we're not going to go through every single one of them of course yeah just ones that stand out to us yeah. but like Starcraft 2 Wings of Liberty um, I'd been waiting personally for Starcraft because I played Starcraft and Starcraft Brood War back in the 90s on yeah. PC and I was obsessed yeah. with those games and myself along with millions of other people probably mm. were waiting on bated breath for Starcraft 2 to come out and then they finally announced that they were splitting that into three parts and mm-hmm. the first one came out in 2010 so there was that um, another game that's a shooter that's amazing was Battlefield Bad Company 2 that was yeah. just like Battlefield I feel like Bad Company 2 was like one of the last Battlefields that had just an amazing story mm. um, yeah. so that was a fucking standout game well, it was it was story based you know, mm. nearly the whole game after that they really went into short campaigns multiplayer yeah. you know, dominant so yeah I agree very very well done um, obviously the the return of um, you know Fallout and New Vegas back to a real strength without a lot of uh, yeah. you know fuck ups and falling on its ass all the time yeah well I mean that was kind of infamous on PS3 because it was just buggy as fuck yeah. and there was massive problems with save files getting corrupted and shit and like deleted. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um that was an Obsidian Entertainment one, so that wasn't even Bethesda. They outsourced That's right, to yeah. Fallout New Vegas to Obsidian Entertainment who had made the original Fallout and Fallout 2 and then mm-hmm. went on to do their thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, great game. Um Alan Wake, I thought, was actually a really good game of that year. Mm. Um, you know, they they brought on that really strong. Like at the time, there was a lot of scary games around. Yeah, you know, like there was still your Silent Hills, which were still a big thing. There was, yeah. uh, you know, Resident Evils were still quite large and coming out every few years. Yeah, um, but Alan Wake dialed it back to more of an investigation type process. It was a lot yeah. slower in its gaming. Um, and it gave birth to a, almost a, a full generation of yeah, different like a types new of genre, games. Yeah, yeah. And there's still a lot of those out now that you know, like 
Beyond Two Souls and all those yeah. kinds of things that are and people still love Alan Wake to yeah. this day yeah um, the big one for that year obviously is Red Dead Redemption yes so I mean we don't need to go too much into that because no, everyone's everyone knows about Red Dead yeah. Redemption it was like it was a game changer crazy good for yeah. its time yeah yeah. and to this day it's still good it's still um, playable like if, yeah. if you've got the disc and you chuck it in yep. it actually still looks good mm. it still plays well um, and yeah. one thing that they did with Red Dead that they haven't done that Rockstar haven't done since except for maybe LA Noir, was DLC support because mm. they released Undead Nightmare, which was actually a standalone game. Yeah. It was a, it was a, like an expansion slash DLC, but they released it as a standalone game That's as right, well. Yeah. And it was just fucking awesome. Mm. Undead Nightmare was incredible. And yeah, Rockstar just haven't done anything like that no, since. not really. Skate 3 is another one that is just fucking great. Still and people ultimate. still talk about yeah. it. Because yeah. like last year at E3, people were like, are they going to announce Skate 4 or yeah. what? And... That just stands to the power of how good Skate 3 was mm. because that was a decade ago and people are like, please... Nothing's, nothing's beaten it. Please release Escape 4. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's great. Halo Reach was another one that was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars The Force Unleashed. Yep, and Super Meat Boy was yeah. like... This is like the start of the rise of, you know... I. Xbox had been doing the um, arcade games for indie and stuff like that. But Super Meat Boy was just like the, you can get that. On, yeah, you can get yeah. that on like everything. Yeah, you can. They're currently working on Super Meat Boy too, as well, which is you know mm. a long time in the making. Um, One of my favourite um, episodic games from that that time, mm. um, and for multiple reasons. But I absolutely loved the Back to the Future games. Yeah, and the very first one of the episodes came out in two thousand ten. Yeah, the Telltale. Yeah, and yeah. and to me, it was a a start of a seven year love affair with Telltale. Yeah, you know, like fucking good, and yeah. they never really changed their you know abilities and storytelling and, and yeah. you know shit from that. They didn't really though. innovate from it either. No, no, <laughs> but but it was fun. They were wildly successful from yeah. that, and Back to the Future was pretty much the first one of that new sort of like they'd done a couple of their own intellectual property yeah they had made a fair yeah, few yeah getting into yeah. the licensed stuff Back to the Future really kicked it off and it was a great game like they they did really really well in making a nostalgic feel to a very very highly loved yeah, IP exactly and that's fantastic yeah a lot of people a lot of companies and you know developers fucked that up but they yeah. didn't and they actually went from strength to strength mm. from that and that's what kicked them off like if they'd have fucked up Back to the Future they probably wouldn't have had the success that they that's had that's right yeah um, uh, well like last game to mention is Assassin's Creed Brotherhood yeah Assassin's Creed 2 which came out I think in 2009 was just amazing it was like the first Assassin's Creed was really, really good, mm-hmm. but it was totally flawed in a lot of ways. And then Assassin's Creed 2 built on the good things and fucked off the shit things yeah. and was really good. And then Assassin's Creed Brotherhood came out in 2010 that then introduced you being able to you know, build up this big squad of assassins to help you and send on missions and call mm. in support and all these things. And it's like it's the second step in that um, Ezio trilogy, which started mm. with Assassin's Creed 2, but it's also a key point in terms of this decade being an Assassin's Creed decade, yeah. where a lot of things happened with that game. 
But another thing that happened in 2010 that, well, some of the things that came out was, so 2007 saw the launch of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. which is not the decade we're talking about, but it's a key thing in history because for obvious reasons, I mean, we're sitting here, you're reading on a friggin' iPad. Yeah. I'm reading on my phone. Yeah. And this is not a thing that would have happened 15 years ago. No, no. So 2007, the launch of the iPhone, we had smartphones of a sort, but not with a touchscreen, not on the level of the iPhone. Mm. 2010 was a key year for mobile gaming. mm it saw the launch of, um, so at late 2009, December 2009, Angry Birds came out, yeah. which was... Changed everything. It changed everything. Yeah. It was wildly successful. It's got two movies made out from it yeah. and like countless games. We've got like Angry Birds Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a version where you played as the pigs called Bad Piggies. Yeah, yeah. And... So that was just huge. That was 2009. And then you had 2010, you had like Infinity Blade, which was the first mobile game using the Unreal Engine, yeah. which is like an insane and technological achievement. Incredible. Yeah. Mm. Not a great game. No. But... But incredible. Yeah. As a, as a tech I remember the first situation. time I ever saw that was mm. on a train. Another person that I was sitting behind was playing it on their phone. Yeah. And I was just looking at it going, what the fuck wizardry is this? Like, how do you do <laughs> Are that? Are you from the future? Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. incredible. And one that was big for Australia was Fruit Ninja in April 2010. Yeah. Fruit Ninja launched and... A Brisbane company. Was, yeah, made by Half Brick in Brisbane. Yeah. Global phenomenon mm. to the point where like people made videos on YouTube of themselves with a samurai sword chopping fruit getting yeah. tossed at them. <laughs> they made there was a connect, there was Fruit Ninja Connect. Yep. Um just crazy. So mobile gaming I feel like was one of the key things of the last decade in terms of how it changed how we play. Like now we're talking we mentioned on live and mm. cloud gaming. Yeah. And there's no doubt that the ability of the iPhone and smartphones to be able to play games like Infinity Blade led people to thinking, wow, I would love to play console quality games on my phone. And Infinity Blade was an example of kind of being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you you move forward and we had things like microtransactions became a thing. And that was totally started in the mobile gaming field before it became... You know, console game developers were like, wait, that's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. And we kind of have iPhones to thank for how, you know, if you went on, if you go on your Xbox um, store or your Mm -hmm. PlayStation store and you look for free games, there's like a shitload of free games out there that are just supported by... um, And some good ones. Microtransactions. Well, you've got Warframe. Yep, Warframe's free. Yeah. Free to play. It is a fucking massive, massive game. Yep, I was reading about Warframe the other day, actually. um, It was talking about how, you know, Warframe is so huge and it's going to end up being on PS5 and Xbox XSX as well. Yeah, wow. So, you know, just from strength to strength, there was DC Universe Online, which was pay to play. or something? Hmm? There's another game called... Smite. Smite, that's yep. it. And like, Close, as well, like, the same thing. you know, League of Legends, Dota, yeah. all of these games mm-hmm. that are like, even um, Overwatch, you know, that's a game that had, you could buy skins and stuff in that, mm. can you? 
Yeah, yeah. Loot boxes and whatnot. And loot boxes are a story of the decade as well. Yes. But it all it all comes back to how iPhones changed gaming mm-hmm. and how developers worked within that frame. Like Infinity Blade was a game that you bought. Fruit Ninja was like ninety nine cents. Yeah. But now, half brick these days. I don't even know what they're doing. I haven't been paying attention because yeah. a certain at a certain point in the last decade they turned from doing really good games to doing let's make money games yeah and yeah exactly that's kind of the way that a lot of games went and you have things like Candy Crush and all that kind of thing exactly that, you know yeah. stepped in really capitalised on it mm. but one of the major things that I appreciate the most from mobile gaming is that it put gaming capability in every person's hand yeah. on the planet nearly yeah which made the entire gaming industry a common thing yeah and, and a mainstream thing where everybody has the opportunity to have some kind of game and you can talk to fucking grandparents about some games yeah and they're like oh yeah I, I played Fruit Ninja or yeah you know Angry Birds yeah I've seen that you know and they know things it's, it becomes a commonality between yeah all generations and that was never a thing until mobile gaming came out. Yeah. Like, you couldn't talk to grandparents about COD. Yeah. They'd go, what the fuck? Or a well, I think the Wii but... had a, a big role in that as well. True, but, yeah. It did um, help. Yeah. There's no denying that mobile gaming has consolidated the world in terms of gaming. You know, people, mm. people. you know, if you can commute, yeah. you can look around and see people playing games. That's right. You know, so... Yeah, it's interesting how that has changed the way things work overall as well. Mm. Like I said, with the prevalence of microtransactions and, you know, the different ways that developers have learned to monetize. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was something worth talking about because it's something huge from the decade. Well, look, we're going to jump straight into 2011. Yep. Um, Obviously. Great year. The biggest thing that ever happened in gaming happened that year. Exactly. And that was, what was it? Oh, that was us starting this podcast. (laughs) Uh, I remember January 1st. Yes. It was, uh, it was something we were building up to for a few months. Yeah. I'd been working on the website and I was like, this is the date. We've got to get it done by here. Mm -hmm. And that website was not a good website. (laughs) But it was the birth of something. Yeah, it's birth of something amazing, as your listeners will attest to. Everyone will attest to. Yeah, and it's still going, which is, you know, incredible. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And we've had a lot of co-hosts, and we've had a lot of people join us along the way. Mm. And we've changed a lot over the time as well. Like, obviously, you know... Our lives and things that have happened to us. Our personal lives have changed. Mm. Um, when we started, this was we were doing a lot more work with Aussie indies yeah. and stuff like that because we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've kind of changed a bit and we don't really focus on the Australian stuff as much anymore. It became very difficult. Well, over times there was you know periods where our, our very first idea was that we wanted to do an interview with a developer every week yeah and we did that for quite some time mm. well, we um, met some interesting really interesting people yeah, as well along yeah the way. we made some really good connections and whatnot but it did just become very difficult yeah because it's not although it's a, it's now a lot bigger 
than it ever has been. Mm. The community in Australia has always been very quiet. Yeah. You know, and, and it did become very difficult to you know, try and reach out to different people constantly. Yeah. And a lot of them were in, you know, Sydney and Melbourne based. Yeah. Like these days, I think almost half of, I think it's something like 30 or 40% of the Australian games industry is in Brisbane, mm. which is a really impressive number. Yeah. And, you know, they make some really good games as mm. well. But um, at the time, you know, it, it, it became a struggle to maintain that. Um, and, you know, we haven't been able to commit as much time, obviously. Yeah. And so things changed and we sort of leaned more towards the higher end of town mm. in terms of the triple A's and stuff like that. Um, and, and we always had these ideas at the beginning of, you know, the, the pie in the sky idea of, you know, eventually monetizing it, getting paid to do this yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But we kind of realized early on as well that we didn't really want that. Yeah. You know, well, it's extra pressure as well. Once you monetize it, you become beholden to the people that are paying you to do it. Yeah. Whereas I see it more as a way to, you know, obviously build the connection that we have as brothers. Yeah. And, you know, Susie was with us for a really long time Mm -hmm. and she's moved to America, but I still, she's our sister. You know, I talk to her, fairly regularly Mm -hmm. you know when she has trouble contacting her mum because they talk over Skype she contacts me or her mum calls me and is like (laughs) hey can you see what's going on with Susie I can't get a hold of her (laughs) and Susie's mum is just a fucking delightful person she's beautiful so yeah but you know and Susie's I don't want to go into this too much because we'll talk about it next year when we're a decade. But Susie is a very important person in my life. And I wouldn't have met her if we hadn't done this. So great year, 2011. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The other thing that happened that year that was huge for Australian gaming was the first EB Games Expo was held in October on the Gold Coast. So this is pre-PAX. EB kicked off the gaming expo scene in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, um, and this actually followed on from. And I know I mentioned this only a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months yeah, ago. Yeah, they now. used to, well, they used to do their trade. Yeah, they did sort their of manager, manager meeting. Show. Yeah, yeah, and I snuck into that, and that was awesome. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the next year they announced that they were doing it as a, a open to the public yeah. kind of event. So they did their managers thing for a few days. And then over the weekend, they'd, they'd open the trade show and yeah. you, know, you could come and see the wares yeah. and what. They were like, we're already doing this, so why don't we open it to the public make and money. make a fuckload of money. And yeah. I remember they used to have people holding up. I think the second year, they really kicked into like pre-order. Yeah. And they had people holding up signs when they moved to Sydney the next yeah. year. Yeah. But yeah, EB Games Expo was huge. It was huge for us as well because it was. it was our first time meeting people from the industry that weren't these indies and stuff. We yeah. it, like we were right because we were Brisbane based, as we, we was, just mentioned, we were, just we were like in the thick of it for yeah. the first time. Mm. And it wasn't a matter of us just ringing or emailing people going, Hey, we're these fucking nobodies. Can you talk to us? <laughs> from this place called Brisbane. You've in, probably never heard of. Yeah, Instead, we were going up to people and being like, we're these nobodies that you've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> we Here's our card. It. Yeah. Look, we've got t-shirts yeah. made. Give us yeah. your card too. Oh yeah. Give for it. Sure. Yeah. Had to. And, uh, and we did yeah. interviews and, you know, we did all kinds of shit that yeah. And we met a lot of other people. Yeah. That, that worked in the games press as well. Yeah. And like, Again, relationships that are still strong to this day, yeah. thanks to that. So, yeah. And um, 
in terms of launches, Nintendo 3DS launched in March that year, which the 3DS um, has just been amazing yeah. in terms of sales and you impact. You can still buy them. Yeah. Brand new. They're dialing it back a lot now, oh, yeah. but it's been fucking 10 years. Exactly. So, mm. whatever. Um, games of 2011. And the fact that they've brought out the Switch, yeah. which is way more powerful than the 3DS. Yeah. You know, well, you know, it, it's just amazing that you can still buy a 3DS for kind of a bit more than maybe two-thirds of the price of a Switch. Yeah. You can buy an XL. Yeah. And it's like, holy fuck, who's buying that? Yeah. But they haven't. Well, um, there's still so much to play oh, on yeah, the DS. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds yeah. of games. And they're not as bulky as the Switch, which mm. I think is a key in terms of portability. And the better. <laughs> sure Lots of is. pluses, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it has but, 3D. Well, we bought a game yesterday. I went to the shops with the boys to spend some of their Christmas money. And no, Tyler you bought... Get <laughs> I bought a Fallout 76 <laughs> uh, like survival bundle and I, it dollar. said $5 and I was in line with Tyler to pay for his DS game that he was buying that was um, Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes or oh, something yeah. which was like 20 bucks mm-hmm. which is great Yeah. and this guy was at the counter and he was talking about some shit I don't care about and the guy was like oh have you seen this and he's like oh what is that it was a Fallout 76 survivors bundle that's got a little um Vault Boy, fucking oh, Vault the Guy, Pip Boy, the, like the little guy, the, yeah. yeah, and the light, the head lights up when oh, you plug wow. it into a USB, <laughs> and it came with stickers and like a death claw key ring and a blank book that was like a Pip, it looked like a Pip Boy, but yeah. it was a journal. Oh yeah, and I was like, whatever, it, and I didn't really give a shit. He's like, it's only five bucks. I was like, what? Fuck, that's so. Right. Old mate bought one. There was one left, so mm. I was like, "Yeah, I'll take it." Mm-hmm. Peeled off the five dollar sticker when I got home, and it was seventy nine bucks. Wow! I was like, "No wonder they didn't sell them." Yeah, who the Shit fuck? Yeah. It didn't even come with the game. <laughs> wow! Yeah, wow. So I was like, "Yeah, I'll buy that." Well, I was actually in EB yesterday, and they had on the Switch um, Trine Four, which yeah. comes with one, two, and three. Yeah, for twenty four bucks. That's pretty cheap. And I was like, fuck, I want to get this. And I was standing in line to pay, and the two people in front of me were fucking useless, and mm-hmm. it took ages. I ended up just putting it back and walking out. I was like, fuck you then. Yeah. But 24 bucks for four games that are all awesome. awesome. Yeah. 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 Great games. And, like, seriously, that's the bad thing about EB, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They, I, It's like their MO to have a conversation. Yeah. Even if there's a fucking massive line. Yeah. Which annoys the shit out of me. No wonder they're closing down their fucking stores. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Best of luck next time. So th- there was obviously a lot of big releases in 2011 as well. Yep. There certainly um, was. Um, these like lists I- are getting longer and longer as well, which to me, like talking about games when we were playing them just for fun yeah. back in 2005, 2006, you had... 10 good games per year yeah and then maybe 30 to 50 just games brought out yeah now you get fucking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games released yeah. every year not even taking into account Steam games yeah because somewhere or along this games. somewhere along this last decade was when like green lighting of games on Steam became a yeah. thing and Steam has like we don't really talk about the PC gaming too much but Steam in the last decade was like blew up deluxe oh yeah, yeah. so well um, they took away their 
yeah, like you said, they, they put in the green light to just... Yeah, def- they were a, b- a lot more filtered. Yeah. And then they were just like, put whatever the fuck you want on there. And mm. now they've got... Now they're in like the... Oh, sweet, another game on Steam where you can rape people. With tentacles. You know? yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, exactly. But in terms of the bigger games, you know, and like you said, as we move forward, there's so many more games, which is just goes to show how huge the industry is now. Yeah. You know, the PS4 has sold over 105 million units now, which makes it the second highest console after the original PlayStation. Mm. Uh, no, after the PS2, sorry. It just overtook the original PlayStation. Wow. And that is just insane. It is, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I feel like we're just going to keep growing and growing, you know, and there's a lot more money there now, too, yeah, exactly. in terms of consumption because it's so normalised by mobile gaming and mm-hmm. things like that. Well, now the only thing that um, rivals... Hollywood and, and mass-produced movies is mm. games. Yeah, exactly. There's a big market. Yeah, it's not that much different. So, mm. well, some of the things that stood out to me and like my top, we'll talk about top games, I suppose, and then throw in the yeah. ones that we, we think are worth mentioning. But for me, um, the reboot of Mortal Kombat, which was MK9, they just called yeah. it Mortal Kombat. I got a little figurine statue with the collector's edition that's Scorpion and Sub-Zero fighting, which is just sick. And that was sort of relaunching the series, the franchise. And it was so successful, and the engine worked so well that it ended up leading to Injustice Gods Among Us, Mm -hmm. MKX, and then Mortal Kombat 11, you know, and Injustice Gods Among Us 2. Mm Mm-hmm. In all in the last decade, because of how successful that reboot was, yeah. and they've all been excellent games. So that was one of my top ones. Well, for me, was another Naughty Dog. Yeah, uh, La Noir. Um, um, Rockstar. Uh, Rockstar. Sorry. Yeah. Um, was La Noir. Yeah. And I loved how they did that. Like mm. it was a game very different for its time. Yeah. It was way slower. You know, there was a lot more dialogue in it. But it was produced really fucking well. The camera angles and the camera work that was in that, most of the time, was spot on. It was pretty groundbreaking for facial capture as well. Yeah, yeah, because it was one of the first major, major titles where the majority of it was actually captured. Yeah, live action. Live action Mm -hmm. with the little, you know, 3D balls all over people and then they put it into the game. Yeah. Um, And it was Australian made as well. Yeah, yeah. By... um, Team Bondi. Yeah. And there was so much um, controversy around it because of that as well. That was, you know, we we talk about crunch a lot. I mean, people in the industry, we don't talk about it. No. But crunch is always a big thing these days, especially as they're mo- we're moving towards, like, developers' rights and things like that. And, um, yeah, Team Bondi shut down after L.A. Noir was launched and went into, you know, administration and whatnot. And yeah. there was all these stories coming out about unpaid overtime and crunch and just a toxic workplace and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But L.A. Noir, I mean, I replayed it when they re- they, they re-released it yeah. recently. On the and, Switch as well. Yeah, and I played it again and, yeah, that game was excellent. Mm, I mean, it's not up. perfect, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing. It's like nothing else, mm. yeah. which is amazing for it to be able to achieve that. 
Um, Dragon Age 2, I already mentioned Bioware, are very important to me in terms of their work. Mm. And Dragon Age 2 was just an exceptional game. I really love Dragon Age Origins. And then Dragon Age 2 really changed from how Origins was. It was a completely different game. Um, where, like, in I think in Origins, you could build your own character, had character creation. And then Dragon Age 2, they had this is the guy that you play as. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was still an exceptional game. And then Rayman Origins, which, like, I never really played the Rayman, like the 3D Rayman games on PS1 and PS2. Mm-hmm. But Rayman Origins was this 2D platformer that was just excellent. It was the return of, yeah. of that, that platform, I think. Yeah, and it was just, you know, the Vita was next year but I played Rayman Origins on the Vita and I was just like this is amazing Mm. and then I ended up playing it on PS3 as well because it just I think I might have played it on PS3 first actually but either way Mm. Rayman Origins and then the sequel were just you know hand drawn art really slick gameplay and fun Mm -hmm. you know just it was just excellent and if you're out there and you haven't played it yet I feel like it's on everything yeah it is so definitely play it Mm -hmm. Rayman Origins Rayman Rayman Legends I think was the second one I think so but yeah that was standout game for me like a 5 out of 5 that year to me changed shooters as well completely the whole shooting shooters genre got flipped on its head that year um, it first started at, um, I think it was CES maybe, um, when DICE announced their new um, game, which was being brought out on an engine called Frostbite. Yeah. And it was Battlefield 3. Yeah. And they played a 20-minute in-game footage of that game, and it was just fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, I, I remember watching this 20... Uh, There was two versions that came out. One was 12 minutes and then there was a 20 minute one. Mm. But I remember just watching this 20 minute just demo being played of actual in-game footage and just sitting there with my mouth open just going, this looks like a fucking movie. Yeah. You know, like it was incredible. It was cinematic. It was fucking heart racing. Like, and then the game came out late that year and it seriously changed everything for me when it comes to shooter games. Mm. Um, Battlefield 3 was, for me, one of the best fucking shooting games ever made. Yeah. Like, it, it literally blew me away. And on a high-end PC, yeah. let alone just the PlayStation, looked fucking awesome too. Yeah. But on a high-end PC with everything up to, to max, yeah. it looked insane. Yeah. It really did. And fucking blew me away. Changed shooters forever for me. Yeah. Yeah. Which now, looking back at it, it was so long ago. Yeah. Still, I get goosebumps when I think about how fucking awesome that game was. Mm. I mean, there was lots of games, other shooters that year that were great as well. Like you had Modern Warfare 3, Call of Duty, uh, Homefront, which was terrible. Yeah. But it's memorable to me as well because of the shit that... like We've talked about Homefront quite a lot, so we won't go into it too much. But you also had like Crisis 2... Uh, Bulletstorm. Modern Warfare 3. Yeah, yeah. Killzone 3 as well. Yeah. Um, so, just huge. And the other top game that you've got listed here... Uncharted 3. Uncharted 3, which is yeah. both of our... Yeah. Like, Drake's Deception. Unbelievable game. Yeah. And PS Plus at the moment has the Uncharted Collection, Drake's mm-hmm. Collection, all three games. Yeah. Um, 
absolutely worth playing oh, yeah. through all three of them yeah. to this day. For sure. They're great. Um, another one that's still being played these days and is still actually known as an amazing game, uh, Elder Scroll Five Skyrim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They actually just announced that the new expansion on Elder Scrolls Online is going to take players to Skyrim, to the wow. world of Skyrim, that that region. Yep. So... Yeah, and Pretty cool. you know, Skyrim is almost worth mentioning just because there was a new version of it every fucking year. Yeah, true. <laughs> it came out on everything. Yeah, yeah. So ridiculous, just crazy that game. Mm-hmm. Until the point where they brought it out on VR as well. You yeah, know, that game was just wildly successful. Um, one of the reasons I actually bought an Xbox was for Forza Four. Yeah, unbelievable game. Mm-hmm. And and literally the reason why I went out and bought an Xbox. Yeah. And like at the time, you know, 2000 and I think two, yeah, 2010 had Gran Turismo 5. Yeah. And Gran Turismo was known as this amazing, like the number one for yeah, racing games. Yeah. And not only that, it was a driver of sales. Yeah. I know people who only bought a PS3 to play Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm. You know, same with PS2. There's people who literally only bought the system just so they could play that. And you know, Forza 4 and the other Forza games moving forward since then have been just, like, they took over. They yeah. were the new big thing in yeah. racing games. Because mm-hmm. they actually had that, that ability to, like, change a little bit from... Like, Gran Turismo really went hard down the simulation path. Yeah. And the customization of your car and all that kind of stuff. And Forza just dials it back a little bit and goes... We're making a driving game that's just fucking fun, arcade, awesome game to play. Yeah. And it, it really had taken over, which is great. Mm. Look, we're going to have to jump straight into 2012. Another big year on things that happened. This time there was a few more um, console releases. Well, that was the year you had the Vita release. And, you know, we, we won't go too much into it, but the Vita, I really loved the Vita. I thought it was an exceptional unit. Um it didn't get the sort of uptake by consumers that I wish it had because the mm-hmm. more pe- if more people had bought it, it would have had more games, more software. But like some of the stuff that it could do, like at, for the for its time, it had an OLED screen, which yep. was just crystal clear and beautiful. Mm, yeah. It was dual analog stick, so it was it beat the three DS out of the yep. gate mm-hmm. for that. Um, but it also had touch like, back and front. Yeah, it had the touch screen on the front and a rear touchpad, which looking back at it now, that rear touchpad is like the precursor for the touchpad on the DualShock 4. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It had a camera on the front and back so you could play AR, like augmented yeah, reality yeah. games, but it also had the gyroscope and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that we had from mobile gaming. Yeah. And they were like, well, let's implement this into a system. And one of the main reasons why the Vita failed was because they... They first they went with a proprietary Sony memory card that cost mm-hmm. a fucking arm and a leg yeah. Yeah. instead of just using an SD card mm-hmm. um, and then there was a lack of support as well which it it comes down to PlayStation again releasing something and not really supporting it fully but to be fair they also did support it there was games like Tearaway and Gravity Rush yep. which both came out on Vita and then were ported to PS4 um where they were just exceptional games. Tearaway was the one where it was all about origami. The world was origami. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you took photos of your face and and items and they were yeah. in the game. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that was that supported it was that you could go to a website, like you would unlock 
origami patterns in the game and then you could go to a companion website and print out the instructions That's for that right, origami yeah, I that. and yeah. like, to this day I've got a little squirrel an origami yep. squirrel that I made from that game wow. and another um, I, when it came out on PS4 I got sent a origami DualShock 4 controller not really origami it's just a cardboard fucking controller mm-hmm. in this like boxy shape yeah. of a tearaway thing <laughs> but that game was just exceptional and mm-hmm. Gravity Rush like Gravity Rush is a, it had a sequel PS4 yeah. only but the Vita version was far and away better like the PS4 version of Gravity Rush is a great game but the Vita game is just unbelievable mm-hmm. because the whole idea of Gravity Rush is that you can turn off gravity and float around and then you turn on gravity and you shoot in a certain yeah. direction mm-hmm. and the way that they did it with the Vita was that you would move the move the Vita to face so you could and- stop you could turn off gravity and as you moved the Vita it like moved the camera around around you floating and then yeah. you could point in a certain direction restart gravity and you'd fly in that direction mm-hmm. and it just the way that it used motion controls just fit the game perfectly yeah and it was and that console yeah. yeah and yeah Gravity Rush honestly is one of my favourite games mm. of all time for that reason yeah. only on the Vita the the PS4 version you still had motion controls yeah, with the controller the but like moving the screen around and doing that yeah. like normally you think when people are doing that with games they look fucking stupid mm-hmm. but I don't know it was just something that game felt so fucking good to yeah. play for me the turning point in the Vita was right well just the, the having that VR capability because AR, yeah, augmented yeah, reality yeah. stuff. Um, you know, the 3DS had tried it a little bit, yeah. and there was some okay stuff on there. Well, they didn't have the resolution no, to really that's maintain right. or it, or the ability to play it with the sticks and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And then when the Vita came out, out of the box, it had uh, AI AR fighters. Yeah. Which was fucking cool. Yeah. You know, you could be at a bus stop or wherever. I remember watching the video at a bus stop and, you know, you, you're just sitting there and there's just dudes fighting in front of you. Like, yeah. You know, on the street in front of you. Yeah. Or you can play that um, tabletop tanks. Yeah. You know, things like that were fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, the dive and the, bar the DS, or whatever it was called. The DS moved more in that direction as well. There's a lot of things yeah. like Amiibos. Not Amiibos, but like there's things like that. You know, when you bought a 3DS, you got AR cards with it to yeah. do, but it was very limited. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of games I remember on they the did DS where they use that. That uh, whack-a-mole or whatever it was, remember that? Where you yeah, put it on yeah. the table and you had to whack them Well, even yeah. like the McDonald's Monopoly app yeah. had that for... There was one where it was like the cards are floating around and you've got the yeah, like, chance cards and you've got to move yeah. the phone to find them and shit like that. Yeah. And yeah, but then like... That it, it didn't go very well, but there was things on it that, again, technologically are important to where we're going now, That's like right. remote play, yeah. which is now well, huge. I, think I actually read something about a year ago about that and how that negatively affected the Vita because yeah. they forced every single game to have remote play in it. Yeah. And there was a lot of developers that didn't want it. Mm. So they had to kind of patch their games to allow that to happen. Yeah, for and the PS3 games. Yeah. And they kind of didn't want it, but it, it affected, you know, the potential of the Vita at the time. Yeah, which um, is disappointing because yeah. 
now you've got the PS4 where you can remote play everything on your phone and mm. they've just announced the Xbox Insiders worldwide can use Xbox console streaming. Yep. Uh, which is the beta testing like group. So now it's normal. But, yeah, it's you know, normal. put but, their foot down and, and forced it to happen. Yeah. So... Which is just a key thing. And also PlayStation Now, like we don't know very much about PlayStation Now here in Australia. Yeah. But it's in America. It's mm. in the UK. Yeah. And it's becoming... It's definitely going to be a big thing when PS5 rocks around. Yeah. But, you know, streaming games using like a server somewhere running the game mm. PS Now was on Vita where you could you could stream games to your Vita yeah. and it came down to you know we're talking about 2012 where you needed to have pretty decent infrastructure to be mm. able to stream that kind of stuff yeah. whereas now you know we've got 4G phones and shit yeah exactly um, which didn't help you know it was a bit ahead of its time the Vita well that was right at the end of the 3G kind of mm. you know, well lifespan. the Vita had a 3G card in it you could get yeah. a 3G or non 3G version right. yeah but um, and yeah, 5G is going to change all of that the bandwidth of it makes exactly. it so much more accessible and we're all now. just going to melt yeah so <laughs> then they released PlayStation TV which was an ability to use Vita game cards on your TV yeah which wouldn't have worked with a lot of games mm-hmm. and it was very limited yeah in the way that it yeah. worked out so that didn't succeed either mm. unfortunately yeah. and then production of the Vita was discontinued in 2019 which mm. sucks but you know I still play my Vita every yeah. now and then mm. it's great yeah it's a fucking great system it is so yeah. stands to reason that uh, but that year as well you had the the Wii U came out which was not very successful no. either but again it was same that, thing as the that, Vita a screen it's like the precursor exactly. to the Switch yeah and it was a huge step away from the Wii. Yeah. You know, it was like they, they brought out the Wii with the controllers and all that stuff. Yeah. And then they brought out the Wii U, which was just a huge leap yeah. from where the Wii was. And they totally fucked it by yeah. calling it a Wii U. Because yeah. Because it just can, it muddled the market That's in the right. way that the Xbox Series X is going to muddle the market. Probably. <laughs> um, we also had, you know, EB Games, like I mentioned, moved their expo to Sydney that year. Um, the Oculus Rift VR headset, right? Mm. Kickstarter campaign was launched. They had a goal of 250 grand and they raised 2.4 million. Yeah. Which is huge, like in and of itself. But then, like, a mere two years later in 2014, Facebook bought Oculus for $2 billion. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is just insane. insane amount of money. Insane, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Which THQ could have used a bit of that money at the yeah. time because they went bankrupt in that year. Yeah, and it was very sad because a lot of people lost their jobs when that happened, yeah. in, including in Australia. We had THQ Australia. Yeah, we did too. And yeah, that was sad. And luckily, THQ have been sort of a lot of their stuff got auctioned off yeah. in their liquidation. Mm. And um, speaking of Humble Bundles, they did in 2012 a THQ Humble Bundle. Yeah. And I bought it. It was awesome. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I mean, they, THQ did Darksiders and, mm. you know, a bunch of other great games. Yeah. And a lot of their IPs got bought up in the uh, in that auction. And now we've got THQ Nordic, which was Nordic Games, bought a lot and relaunched THQ. Yeah. And now we've got, like, a new Darksiders game that's come out on PC and Stadia only, I think, mm-hmm. for now. and comes out on Valentine's Day. Um, it does sound romantic. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as well as a bunch of other Might like get it for th- old THQ um, IPs that are getting mm. re-released. But at the time when they went bankrupt, that was shitful. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And something huge happened in Australia in 2012 as well. Yeah, they um, they finally decided that it was time to, you know, even just take it to Parliament, the capabilities of having an R18 rating yeah. um, for censorship in Australian gaming. Yeah. Up until that moment, there'd only been an M15+. plus. MA, yeah. And yeah. anything beyond MA was banned or yeah. refused classification. Yeah. And it's ridiculous that that was the case. Mm. But uh, eventually, you know, 2012 rolled around. And I remember the first couple of, you know, the first year that we were doing the podcast, we, um, the conversation was very predominant in the way that Australian people, gamers, were talking about what they wanted in the gaming world. Yeah. And it was the R18 rating. And like, no one could understand why the fuck is this not a thing? Mm. And there's like one guy in Adelaide who's like, no, gaming is bad and it's the devil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the friggin' Bobby Boucher's mum. <laughs> right? So we finally killed him. Yeah. So he <laughs> fucked off. And then we finally got we the R18 plus because it was a matter of the, the way that it had to happen was that the attorney generals of each state had to vote. Yeah unanimously yeah. so finally we got it and we have R18 now and there's some really good R18 games like The Witcher 3 Red Dead Redemption 2 etc mm-hmm. etc et but it's still not the perfect thing that we wanted no. when we were asking for it because there's games like if a game has any use of drugs for anything yeah that helps you in a positive way it's refused classification yeah. you know and the the list of games that get refused classification and then force developers to modify their games purely for the Australian market mm. is just it grow it it's, it almost seems like it grows every year yeah which is ridiculous mm-hmm. you know we're adults That's we right. can we you can watch a TV show about smoking weed but you can't play a game about smoking yeah. weed yeah which is just ridiculous mm. so hopefully you know at some point that changes yeah but uh, that was a pretty huge moment in terms of mm. Australian gaming and that year there was a shitload of very very good games that came out mm. um, going back to one of my favourite um, at the time Telltale brought out the first of the Walking Deads yeah the Walking Dead TV show had been going for I think two or three years but maybe more I think it was one four. maybe two years yeah I don't know but they brought out the Walking Dead episode one and fucking brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that ended up being arguably... It was... I mean, not arguably. It was Game of the Year for a lot of people yeah, that yeah. year, which was just huge. And the Telltale story is... You know, they, this decade, like we mentioned with Back to the Future, they had... That was their first licensed game. Then 2011, they brought out Jurassic World, I think, or Jurassic Park. Yeah. A Jurassic Park Telltale game. And both of them were okay, good mm. games, but not wildly successful. Yeah. And then The Walking Dead came out in 2012 and just skyrocketed oh, Telltale. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, they started getting, you know, they were like, fuck yeah, this is working great. We don't have to modify our engine too much. So they just got into all of these expensive licenses. Mm-hmm. They got Game of Thrones, Minecraft with Minecraft Story Mode, Tales from the Borderlands. They ended up yeah. with Batman, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. They also did The Wolf Among Us, yeah. which is 2013 or 2014, I think, but um, based also on the Fables incredible. comics. Yeah. Just a great game. Yeah. And they were going great guns. 
Um, there was a lot of controversy with them as well in terms of a toxic workplace because they yeah. were doing things like saying, what we're doing is working, don't fucking innovate, yeah. just do Telltale Games yeah. by numbers. And this kind of came out later because, you know, come 2017, the company was restructured, air quotes, hundreds of people lost their jobs, mm-hmm. and then it eventually closed in late 2018 before being resurrected like a phoenix yeah. um, in 2019. That could be their next game. Yeah, and but the new games, they've, they've got a new Batman one on the go. I think they made a deal to finish The Walking Dead with mm-hmm. like a skeleton staff, but yeah. they've got some other games coming, but I don't think any of the original Telltale staff are uh, working for there. Telltale now. Yeah. It's just using the assets and stuff. And it's kind of shitty because there's there's controversy there as well because there's a lot of Telltale staff who were laid off who never got their fair pay. Mm-hmm. And now there's arguments of like, well, you've bought the name Telltale and all the pro- the assets. Yeah. You should pay the staff. And yeah, the new exactly. owners are like, no, I fucking shouldn't. Yeah. And arguably, no, they shouldn't because it's not yeah. their responsibility. Yeah. But it's a shitty story. It is. But in terms of... Um, one of the bigger things of the decade, I feel like Telltale is up there because oh, that yeah. journey from Back to the Future to bankruptcy mm. is just a massive. And you're talking billions thing. of dollars potentially in yeah. how much they made and lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they just. There was... They were one of the biggest developers for a while. Mm. You know, they were, they were a stand. Because again, they were on mobile and you know yeah it was on everything and like The yeah. Walking Dead was a game of the year game in 2012 but it was so fucking buggy as yeah, well yeah it was yeah and they I mean they improved slightly over the years but the games were still yeah. a bit of a shit show mm-hmm. but um yeah the the fast expansion and then the unhealthy work environment crunch again mm. was a massive thing that just cost them yeah. dearly and they eventually went out of business which mm. is fucking terrible yeah but yeah, there was um, you know there was management going. Don't innovate. We don't want you to have new ideas. Mm. We want you to do this as do we fucking tell. And it was yeah. a lot of micromanaging and not letting people. And with like, if you're in a job and you've got a great idea, and your manager just goes, "No, yeah. that's not happening. We're going to do it the way we're going to do exactly. it, the way we always do it." It doesn't bode well for the mental health of the workers either. Yeah, that's right. And so I kind of I feel for the people who worked for Telltale because Mm. it was a really well-known company releasing amazing games that people loved and yet the people who were working there were just getting shafted. So, yeah, that was a bit shit. It was. The Walking Dead was one of the best games of 2012. Yeah, by far. And it started, like, there's been like four or five Telltale Walking Dead games since then. Mm, yep. Um, There were other really big games, obviously, that year. mm -hmm. Um... One that was very widely anticipated, Diablo 3. Yeah, and has the worst fan base on the planet. Yes. <laughs> turns out. Yeah, it turns out they're a bunch of fucking assholes. Um, yeah, Diablo 3. I mean, that game's fucking awesome. And that's another one that was just really well supported, which yeah. is something that Blizzard do very well. Mm-hmm. Um, very well supported game. Sleeping Dogs is one of my top games of 2012, which was another totally under the radar one and Mm. now that it's been many years since it came out the game has built quite a following in terms of people who really loved it yeah but the development company that made it 
they were working on Sleeping Dogs 2 and ended up going out of business mm. because they didn't have the financial backing and whatever. And it's such a shame because Sleeping Dogs, it was basically like GTA based in Hong Kong. Yeah. You were a cop yeah. instead of a criminal. Mm-hmm. And you did a lot more hand-to-hand combat rather than using weapons. Yeah. And it was just... It, so well done mm. that game is just great I would suggest anyone out there who hasn't played it go and play Sleeping Dogs because it's fucking excellent yeah it is a good game another one was Journey which you know the Journey and The Walking Dead were the two that were like head to head for the game of the year awards that year because yeah. Journey was like it took like two hours to beat mm. but it was just this emotional experience yeah. beautiful you'd, you'd turn on the game and it would automatically, if you were online, it would automatically link you up to a random person somewhere else in the world playing it. And then you would play the game with this other random person. And you didn't know who they were. Mm. You didn't know if they left and another person came in because it would like change. If someone left or at the end of a level, yeah. if you're still exploring and they've moved forward, it would connect them to a different person. Yeah. You didn't know that. Mm. And then you built this... Like, there's no dialogue except for just, like, making weird singing or chant, like, noises, notes at people. And you'd get to the end of this journey and you would just feel this such warmth (laughs) and connection to this person that you have no fucking idea who they are. And then you'd watch the credits and at the end, I think it said who you'd played with. Oh, cool. And it yeah. would say like three people and you're like, oh, <laughs> it's like almost, it's such a deep emotional feeling that you're like almost brought to tears mm. by this story that is just so beautifully told yeah. in such a beautiful way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just remember when I played it, that feeling the first time you play it where you just like go into it completely, no idea what you're doing. Don't fucking think about it too much. Just try and enjoy the moment and experience it. And yeah, I just remember finishing it being like, this person is my brother. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. And, isn't it? and you would like, you'd do something or you'd find where to go and then you'd like hit the button, like, huh, 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 come over here. You're like, huh. <laughs> and then they'd come over and you'd do a little dance around each other or whatever. Because yeah. there's no rules. You just no, do whatever right. you want. Yeah. Journey was just exceptional. <laughs> well, Probably for me, one of the bigger games that year was Far Cry 3. Huge again. Like, that was, for me, my entry to the Far Cry games. I never really played Far Cry 1 or 2, but Mm -hmm. Far Cry 3 was fucking excellent. And it had, like, the complete nutter. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was the white saviour thing yet again that they love to do. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's it had old mate, the fucking psycho... And he did such a good job. Mm. That character was so yeah. well written in the Vars, wasn't his name Vars or something uh, like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that kicked off Far Cry being a huge thing yeah. for Ubisoft. Yeah. And it kicked off really um like the Ubisoft genre of games. Pretty where much. you go and you unlock this area and you do yeah. this and like the open it, world with so a million things to do. For, forever. Yeah. Since yeah. And like they were doing that kind of with Assassin's Creed but not really and then Far Cry did it and now every game Ubisoft do is in Pretty that much, mold yeah in the same mold so that's mm. a huge one and the another one for me was Spec Ops The Line oh yeah which I remember that I think that was my game of the year for 2012 so, despite yeah. the other two mm. because it was a shooter I think it was a third person shooter but it was it told the story of 
um, being a soldier in like it was Dubai yeah. where Dubai has been like overrun with sand yeah. or something yeah and, and there was massive sandstorms and all kinds of shit yeah. that happened in that and it, cool. it had a lot of a lot of the theme of the game was about the mentality of being a soldier yeah and the choices that you make and the the repercussions on yeah. you as a person mm-hmm. and there's one scene in it where you order white phosphorus on that's right these because you're like oh that's an enemy base yeah you convince yourself that it's an enemy base and you need to destroy them and you drop white phosphorus on them and then you go down there and you realize you've killed like hundreds of innocent yeah. civilians yeah and it's just gut-wrenching mm. and it doesn't sidestep any of that shit it just yeah. like goes you have done a fucking terrible thing feel bad about it mm. it's fucking just insanely good and for back then that wasn't happening as much in games well all the shooters that you would get would be like the cod by numbers yeah. where you just go in shoot a bunch of dudes don't anything think about means. anything yeah. yeah yeah and um they do like call of duty now and games now they tend to do move more in that direction in terms of trying to hit you emotionally about what's going on but Spec Ops The Line kicked that off and it was fucking remarkable Mm -hmm. Um, uh, one more game I mean there's so many games that year like Gravity Rush was that year Uncharted Golden Abyss was another Vita one Mm -hmm. Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning was an RPG that was touted to be like you know it had all these huge names in the development of it like award winning author doing the script award winning the guy who drew Spawn mm-hmm. doing all the art etc etc went came out EA I think published it and then they went out of business because they got funding from like the state of New Jersey or something oh, and then yeah. all this shit went down and it ended up going out of business and that IP just went into nowhere but it was mm-hmm. this incredible game Thomas Was Alone was an indie game that came yeah, out that, that year. That I'll never forget that game. The guy who voiced it, the narrator, was the guy Sean from Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed right, games, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's mm-hmm. like the nerdy guy. Yeah, um, he did the voice over in Thomas Was Alone, and the idea of it was like you're like a rectangle, or mm-hmm. you're like a, a polygon, you're a shape. Yeah, and then no other defining features except your color and your shape yeah and you would meet other blocks and the different blocks as you traverse it was like a platformer each block had a different ability and it was just this short game but all of the different blocks had personalities Mm. that were built by various way in various ways it was just I think originally it was a flash game on PC and then it got converted into it being an actual game yeah and yeah that's another one that's just like a great experience. Mm. Well, there was another turning point that year for me, and I think for a lot of what happened, um, a mobile game got brought out that year mm-hmm. called The Simpsons Tapped Out. <laughs> now, for me, it, it had been happening, as we already mentioned, for a few years, mm-hmm. but The Simpsons Tapped Out, it, it was brought out by EA, um, Iron Monkey Studios, Fox Digital Entertainment as well, like all these big names. And it was The Simpsons. Yeah. You know, anybody who is a Simpsons fan grabbed this game and it was a city builder. So you'd actually start with the with um, you know the, the town and you'd have to basically go around and, and cre- you know, build things, create cash. 
so that then you could go and build the next part of the city. So, you know, you'd put in the Quickie Mart, you'd put in the Simpsons house, you'd put in the Flanders house, yeah. and you'd just build and build and build and build. But it got very obvious very quickly that a lot of the things, the more fun things in the game that you want from the TV show had to be purchased with real cash. So your, yeah. your wallet got smashed by playing this game. And there was almost no way around it, to be honest. Like, you could play the game for hours and hours and hours and hours and build money to buy all these different things. Mm. But if you wanted all the quirky stuff and all the, the more fun stuff that you remember from the show, yeah. you had to pay money for it. And I played this a fair bit. Like, I put hours into this game, tens of hours into this game. Yeah. I know people that put in hundreds of hours into this game. And you just couldn't progress without the certain you know money that you needed to buy these certain things yeah um and yes there had been other games that were like that but this for ea i think they made this game and then just went holy fuck we can make serious serious money yeah and it changed their entire lookout on every single fucking game that they've ever made since and yeah it's interesting what ea have done in, in terms of that, like every game now yeah. is try to make money out of it, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the, the worst part is that it's almost become even more important than putting out a game that isn't broken on the day it comes out. Yeah. The, the focus is more on the money side of it, yeah. which is disappointing. It is. And I mean, it's business. I get all that other bullshit, but you know, from a, a lover of computer games it fucking pisses me off yeah yeah speaking of microtransactions we've already mentioned Candy Crush but 2012 was the year that Candy Crush Saga came out which also changed how games happen like Candy Crush was wildly successful insane like my freaking boss plays Candy Crush on his computer at work still yeah Um, and Candy Crush was a huge one because the developer King who made it and all the other Saga games was purchased by Activision Blizzard in 2015 for $5.9 billion, which is an obscene amount of money. Unfathomable. Yeah. So, you know, EA's got all their money from Ultimate Team now rather than, you know, tapped out. It's not a thing really anymore. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, Activision Blizzard get their cash from, you know... The, the ability to make a great game like Overwatch is backed up financially by how much cash they're raking yeah. in from Gandy Crush. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the other thing from 2012, last one, massive game for us at Drop Bear Gaming. Yes. AFL Live. And we ran probably one of that year's biggest sweepstakes, <laughs> I'd have to say. <laughs> Which Susie will attest to. <laughs> I think she's still chasing yeah. us for that. Uh, might gift her the next AFL game that comes out. Probably not. Nah. Um, Let's just send her AFL Live. I'll send her this podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Exclu- we'll sign it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Right. yeah look, well, AFL Live was awesome. We'd, we'd been waiting for that for a long time. I, I was really happy that they were bringing out an AFL game. Played a lot of it. It sucked balls because AFL is a fucking incredible game. And amazingly difficult to do the maths on to turn it into a computer game. Yeah. It was good for what they did. They still managed to do a pretty reasonable job yeah. with it. Yeah. But it wasn't ideal. But 
an insanely you know difficult sport to portray as a computer game with all the different variables yeah. and all that shit. So still yeah. surprisingly good. But anyway, so tw- leave that shit behind. Let's get out of here. All right. So I think that's probably going to be about it for episode uh, or part one, I should say. Yeah. Well, this has gone for a bit longer than we expected. So. Let's make this a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Split it up into a couple of episodes instead of... Just rattling on for hours and hours. Yeah, so if you uh, liked anything from 2010 to 2012, why don't you email us? Yeah, let us know. Podcast at dropbeargaming.com and we will read your th- things that you say. Yeah, probably give you a shout out if we can. Mm, maybe. And, and we probably can. Like, probably not on episode 155 because we're about to record that right now. Yes. <laughs> But, yeah, send that or check us out on Facebook and the Instagrams and, and all the, yeah, the next. those things. Yeah. So. Anyway, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and listen to part two coming soon. Yeah, see ya.